This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 15th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today as our special guest, we have University of Washington Athletic Director Jennifer Jen Cohn. Our University of Washington AD does not need a long introduction, but I like to give a little introduction to my guests. I frequently do this in interviews. Jen Cohn has been employed at the University of Washington in various positions since 1998. Jen became the UW Interim Athletic Director in February of 2016. On May 25th of 2016, Jen became the 17th AD in the University of Washington's history. As one can see, Jen has worked very hard rising up the ranks to become the Athletic Director of the University of Washington. Jennifer Cohn grew up in San Diego, California, the Tacoma, Washington area. Jen is a graduate of Curtis High School and San Diego State University in 1991. Jen earned her master's in physical education from Pacific Lutheran University in 1994. Before coming to the UW, Jen worked in athletic administration positions at PLU, the University of Puget Sound, and Texas Tech. At one time, Jen was a college volleyball assistant coach at Pacific Lutheran University. This is a little nugget. I'm going to have to ask Jen more about this. Today, we're going to learn more about Jen, her career, her work as a UW AD, and her thoughts on various issues surrounding college athletics. We only have about 27 minutes today. We're not going to be able to get into everything, but we're going to have some fun and get into some uh, interesting subjects. Jen, first of all, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainer Avenue Radio. Thanks. It's great to be here. You're reminding me of what I was really unsuccessful at, which was being a volleyball coach. I was the worst volleyball coach ever in college history, but... It was a great experience. Well, we're going to have to ask you about that. And by the way, having you come into our studio today, Jen, I mean, I anticipated Secret Service, an entourage of staff and and aides, and you just walk in like a regular citizen. I'm very impressed. I am a a regular citizen, so it's great to be here. Very impressed. Jen, um, this is not the most original question, but I like to ask it of my guests. I think a lot of listeners learn a lot about a guest when this question is asked. Can you share with us a little bit about how you became interested in college sports and the idea of working in college athletics as a young person growing up? Yeah, when we moved from San Diego to Tacoma, my dad wanted to do something fun for our family, something to connect us to a community that we didn't know very well. And so he really stumbled upon Husky football out of nowhere. And he bought football season tickets at the UW when I was little And it was love at first sight for me. I fell in love with Husky football first and foremost, which then turned me on to all of college athletics. And it was really a few things back then. It was um, competition, like to win, uh, even kind of like the agony of defeat too, kind of the whole thing that competition brings, the emotions that come with it. Uh, Community, I think when it's at its best, sport can bring people from all different backgrounds together in a really remarkable way. And relationships, you know, it was a bonding thing for me and my dad. And so at a young age, I, I really wanted to coach. I wanted to coach football, and uh, that was my plan. Um, I was very serious about this plan, by the way. I thought I was going to replace Coach James, the legendary coach at UW. And it was a letter that changed, um, kind of pivoted my goals to athletic administration that I wrote to him about my desires to coach. And he said, you know, girls really aren't coaching football. And he was right. They still really aren't getting a lot of those opportunities. But he gave me a butt in the letter, and that was, but more women are getting into college athletics and into sports. And so I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work in college sports. And my dream was to work at the University of Washington. And that's pretty neat as a young person growing up that you exchanged letters with the late coach Don James. Yeah, I think it was really annoying for coach. I was, it was not the only letter. I was pen pals with him and also Skip Hall, who was the recruiting coordinator at the time. And talk about full circle. When we had our football search, when Coach Sarkeesian left to go to USC, 
Skip Hall had this longstanding relationship with Chris Peterson. So he was one of the people that actually called me about Coach Pete during that time period when we were when we were looking for a coach. So uh, how cool is that? You know, he he all those all those letters exchanges when I was a little girl to to being able to to hire Coach Pete, all those connections through Husky football. Funny how life works. Mm-hmm. Jen, um, you we brought this up earlier. And I do have to ask you about when you worked as a college volleyball assistant at PLU. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting part of your life. It is. You know, I was a volleyball player in high school. I didn't play in college. I love the sport. I still love it so much. Our women are so good at the UW. They're so much fun to watch. Um, it was an opportunity for me to get graduate school supported at PLU. And so I got really lucky. I stumbled upon this opportunity to be an assistant coach. And, and I mean this sincerely. I was a terrible X's and O's coach. But what it did teach me is to really learn about relationships and culture building and excellence and adversity and all the things that are a huge part of leadership principles that I have today. And so it was a great first start for me. Um, you know, some of the young women I got to coach are extraordinary women and have gone on and done great things with their lives. And I'm just grateful for all the experiences I had at that small college when, when I was starting my career. Definitely gave you some perspectives. You actually mm-hmm. were an assistant coach of a college sport. Yeah, Absolutely. This is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with University of Washington Athletic Director Jen Cohn. Jen, you have a very high-profile position, and you probably, of the state employees, are among the most discussed. I mean, you got the governor, you got the UW football coach, the UW basketball coach, the Washington State football coach, but you're up there and being a figure that people discuss a lot and what you do. But tell us what the athletic director actually does on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first of all, we we do sports, right? That's what we do. We have 22 teams. We have 650 student athletes. We have 250 employees, a budget of about $120 million, thousands of season ticket holders, thousands of, of donors in, you know, part of a very small sliver of a really great and incredibly uh, massive and impactful university. Um, but we exist to develop students. So that's really what we do. Through sport, we teach life skills. Uh, we not only develop you as an athlete, but we give you opportunities to grow as leaders <clears throat> and as great citizens and community members. And the whole goal of Husky Athletics is to, to teach through sport all these lessons so our student athletes that come through our program can go out of our program and use this as a launch pad to even do greater things in, in the work. And so so much of what we do that is, 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 isn't visible. So much of that work with kids, it's, it's about you know, giving those student athletes great experiences. It's about having coaches that are great leaders that can to give those student athletes those great experiences. It's about running a business. It's about running a business in a, in a higher education model. Um, so it's really complex. And at the end of the day, my job as athletic director, I think, is to just align all of our stakeholders, align everybody that's associated with our athletic department towards that mission that I just mentioned to help us achieve even greater things. And of course, coming on sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio is part of your job, isn't it, Jen? Yeah, it is. It's, it's on the list of to-dos. Having fun, <laughs> having fun. Um, Jen, I want to ask you a question. And like I mentioned earlier, you have a high-profile position, and so many friends and supporters of University of Washington always have an opinion on what the UW AD should do. Does it ever at any point, Jen, 
get a little bit overwhelming. If you're out to January, you're spending time with your family, mm-hmm. and somebody whispers to you about what you should do with a UW coaching situation or something like that. Does that part of your job get a little overwhelming sometimes? I think there's a couple of things. When I first took the job, and even now, I would say that leadership at this level and the visibility and pressures that come with it are the biggest learning curve for me. The content of the work hasn't been that surprising at all. I've been at the university for 19 years. I've been so fortunate enough to learn from so many different people. Half the time you make a decision, it's just the best one you can. There's not really a right one. There's not really a wrong one. And so that's something that I'm still adjusting to. All that being said, one of the beauties of working in sport is that we learn a lot of very valuable lessons, one of which is how to turn off the noise and stay in the process. We are a very process-driven athletic department. It doesn't matter if you're listening to me talk, Coach Hop talk, Coach Peterson talk, uh, Coach Tar talk, Mary Lou Moffler talk. We all talk about the process and you don't hear us talk a lot about the outcomes. That's what fans get to do. They get to talk about the wins, the losses, how are we going to get there? And so I've watched really great coaches and student athletes over the years learn how to turn off the noise and stay in the process. So it doesn't get overwhelming because I don't let it get overwhelming. Could it be overwhelming? Absolutely. Interesting answer. So you you kind of view it as part of your job. You're going to get feedback from any citizens. Well, for sure. And I actually think that's what's great about it. You know, I think that this university matters to so many people. This athletic department matters to so many people. If you don't have passionate fans and passionate alums, you don't have the support you need to, to run the department. You have to balance all of that. You know, I listen because I think that there's always good input from folks. What I don't do is let outside noise influence decisions that are counter to our core mission and our values and our plans that we've all agreed to. So it's not that input isn't valued. It is. It's just that I don't allow it to get me off track um, in making decisions that maybe aren't in the best interest for the department. You seem very measured that way, Jen. Jen, uh, there's a lot more women these days in such fields as medicine and law. Um, yet the time of your appointment as a University of Washington AD in 2016, you're the only woman athletic director in the Pac-12, and I believe there are just three in the Power Five conferences. Uh, why do you think women are still quite underrepresented in college athletic director positions in this era? Well, we've grown more in the non-Power Five schools, so more women are getting AD jobs than ever before. The Statistics show us that. I'm actually on the National Board for Women's Leaders in College Sports. I was just in Kansas City this week at our meetings, and we looked at the data. So we are making progress. There's also five Power Five female ADs versus three now. So we've we've seen that. And this has been a really interesting um, uh, learning experience for me because I never thought of, I've never thought about my gender. Like my entire career, I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And that's not because I didn't experience issues of sexism. I have. I still do. Um, I do believe that there are times where I'm treated differently in my role because of my gender, even here in progressive Seattle. But I really don't waste a single minute worrying about it, and I never have. What's different is that I'm on a now, I'm on a visible stage around this now. And I, I'm not kidding you when I tell you I went to bed one day, I got the job, I woke up the next day, I was supposed to be a national expert on women and sports. And I just don't see myself that way. I see myself as a people developer. I see myself as a leader. And I want to focus on inclusion and opportunity for all people, not just women, but everybody deserves a shot to be the very best they can be. And that's really where my passion lies. Interesting feedback. Well, Jen, are you surprised? I'm about to ask you a question on the University of Washington men's basketball program. Does that surprise you? Well, I'm not surprised by how he's doing it because 
when we hired Coach Hop, we had a vision for what we were looking for. You always have a profile, right? When you're when you're going out, you don't get sold on a person alone. You you really stick to what the profile should be. You know, what are the qualities? What are the experiences? And and Hop really had this incredible energy. Um, he had a builder mentality. He saw the potential in the place. He has incredibly gritty um, work ethic and toughness to him. He's a, an incredible leader and collaborator, collaborator of bringing people together. And so um, it's been amazing to watch how he's approached it, get so many results. I, I mean, is it surprising? Probably. Yeah. But what we do in our work, we kind of train to not actually go into a lot of seasons with expectations of wins and losses, because I'll give you a great example. Jody wins our women's basketball coach. I heard her about a month after I hired hop. I think she's doing all the right things too. She's got a right plan. Her kids are playing so hard. Uh, they're, they're approaching it the right way. Her values are right. She's representing us the right way and they're not getting wins. And so we really try to stay focused on that so that, um, we don't lose sight of, of the plan and the vision and the purpose uh, for how we're going to be successful at UW. Um, I want to go back to Coach Hopkins in a minute, and I do want to ask you a question. And you had a major decision you made yeah. last year about Coach Romar, and you made a decision to dismiss him as University of Washington basketball coach. A lot of people, Jen, thought that one of the good reasons to keep Coach Romar is that a major recruiting class was coming in, and... If Coach Romar would be dismissed, it would break up that recruiting class, which it did for the most part, although the team's doing really well. How much did that factor in your decision, Dan, that recruiting class issue and the Romar I, decision? I think when you make a coaching change or you don't, you decide if you're making a coaching change for short term or long term. So when we made the decision on Coach Romar, it was for certain a long term decision. And so because of that, and when you get to that point, when you've done all the evaluation you can, and you get to the point where you really feel like you need to make the change for the long haul, you are okay with that decision. I mean, the, the thing that bothers you the most when you make a change in coaches is, I, at least I can speak for myself, it's hard enough to let a friend go, like I had to with Lorenzo, but it's even worse to have to deal with the impact it has on students. It's the worst. I bet. How it how it impacted the current kids, how it impacted the kids that were coming in. I knew two of the two of the kids in that recruiting class really well, and in Jalen and John John, who's now at Stanford, because I've grown up right here in Madrona, and and they went to school with with my sons at St. Therese, and um, so it was even personal on a different level than normal. Um, but uh, I think that we had been for so long making decisions in basketball about one or two kids. And we, and, and it, it really, team isn't like that. You looked at it in totality. We looked at it in totality. And obviously, you know, that's, that's, that's played out well for us. And, and, uh, but I understand, uh, there's no doubt the easier decision would have been to, to give it at least another year. This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with University of Washington Athletic Director Jen Cohn. By the way, do you have a chance to chat with Lorenzo at all? The, at the I Arizona did. Game? So I made a conscious decision to give him a little space at the game because it was so important for us to honor him the right way, and I didn't know how he was going to receive that. I didn't want it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be photographed seeing him or any of those things. I really wanted it to be about Lorenzo and the video that we put together and the you know conversations with 
with our students to make sure it was a warm welcome, which it was. Um, I did get a chance to have an exchange with him after the game uh, or later on this week. Um, he reached out to me uh, to thank me for the reception that he got, um, to tell me how proud he was of the program that he still cares about, how great the atmosphere was, and how much he was pulling for us the rest of the season. And it really, you know, it's typical Lorenzo Romar. I think this whole experience has been mutual. I think everybody's handled this with an enormous amount of class and love and respect, and we'll continue to always honor him that way because he's a great Husky. Thank you for sharing that, Jen. I was curious to learn a little bit more. Um, back to Coach Hopkins for a minute. How, how did you find Coach Hopkins? So I, um, I didn't know what I was going to do with basketball. I didn't make a decision to make a change until after the tournament. I mean, it was really uh, a difficult decision. And so I basically lived in two different worlds all year long. Uh, there was the, what do we do if we keep Lorenzo and how can we help support him more? And what can we do more for this program? And what's his vision and his goals? And so we were working really diligently on that plan uh, so that we could hit the ground running at the end of the season with Coach Romar and really try to move forward. At the same time, I recognized that I needed to be prepared. And if I was going to make a change and we were going to move in a different direction, I needed to be ready to go. And so I had conversations. I've been in this business for a long time, as you've said with my resume. I'm old and seasoned, and I have a lot of friends in the industry. Not old, old. Though, I am getting there. As this job ages you, that's for sure. We're close to the same yeah. age. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're, we're both so young and spry. <laughs> uh, but I, I connected with a lot of people in the industry kind of all year long. First, really helping me think about the profile, you know, really being disciplined about what we were looking for, what was realistic. And then I started thinking about looking at guys. And he... It was so intriguing. I really didn't think that we could get him because he was guaranteed that job um, starting in March of this year. And I was really blown away. I'd heard from some people that we would be really aligned based on his values and mine and the departments and the fit of the university and his. And it, it was. It was like an immediate, wow, this is the right person for this job right now. And it was it, we went pretty quickly. I could talk to you for hours about Husky basketball, Husky football, so many subjects, but we're going to kind of keep things moving. I do have a Husky football question for you, yeah. Jen. Um, we have a great coach right now, Chris Peterson. we got a major recruiting class coming in that's yeah. very highly national ranked. Uh, we had a national semifinals appearance in 2017. Jen, would you view it as a disappointment in your tenure as the athletic director if the Washington football program did not win a national championship? I, well, first of all, I don't think about anything that happens in my quote-unquote tenure. I don't look at it that way at all. I just care about the place and the kids and the coaches and all the dreams that we have for our fans. Uh, so probably not. Um, I hate losing, and I'm a sore loser still. It's something that we're really working <laughs> on, especially in this visible role. But uh, no, I mean, winning a national championship in, in college football or in any sport is incredibly difficult. And we don't set our goals that way. Of course, we want to win a championship, but I would be much more disappointed that if we didn't run our program the right way and if we weren't developing kids and we weren't competing at the highest level with the best resources that we have in a way that makes people proud. Like that's kind of more what drives us because I believe if we do all those things with the staff that we have, with the university that we have, with the fans we have, we have a shot at winning a national championship, no doubt about it. Uh, Jen, I believe when you took over as the AD, the athletic direct, the athletic department had a deficit. I don't have the exact number in front of me. How's, how has that been uh, fixed up a little bit? It has. You know, we've been very fortunate. We have incredible donors 
at the UW, just very generous people. So the combination of great donors and a new campaign to help raise money to help, uh, the football program success in general and all that Coach Pete's done and just getting more, you know, quote unquote, butts in seats has been really significant for us. And also, you know, we hired a new CFO. She's incredible. She came from Foster School of Business and she got our business in order. Um, so there's better management of expenses and it's a combination of all those things. So last year, we actually, in our first year, we were still projecting a deficit from before, but we were able to operate with cash flow and we're going to operate with cash flow again this year. All that being said, uh, it's going to be a grind every year. You know, the, there's 22 teams, two of them make enough money to cover their costs. The rest of them don't. It's a crazy economic model, right? And so it's really, really expensive to run a first-class athletic department that not only wants to win in competition, but wants to win in the classroom and win in life. So men's staff. football, men's basketball carries a lot of that, right? Yeah, football basically cover, is about almost 90% of our revenues. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay, Jen, I do have a question question about a scandal. Uh, we're aware, of mm -hmm. course, the Penn State scandal involving the yeah. late coach Joe Paterno. There's a recent scandal at Michigan State involving this Dr. Larry Nasser. Yeah. Na Nasser. Um, this is sort of a, a legal technical question, but I am curious about this. I have a gentleman I know who's worked in college athletics, not at mm -hmm. the University of Washington, mm -hmm. and he shared with me several years ago, I just want to get your take on this. He shared with me several years ago that technically speaking, he didn't feel that the late coach Paterno violated an NCAA bylaw because he did what he was supposed to do in terms of reporting the allegations to the university administration. Do you agree with that? Did technically Joe Paterno did not violate NCAA bylaw? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't even, the NCAA rules change all the time, right? Sure. So the rules are probably different now than they were then. Um, so I don't know, even know if I can comment on that because um, I, I, don't, I don't understand where the rules were or not. I do think that uh, that when something like that happens in a, in, in a university, there's something going on with the culture. And so it is not one person. It's a lot of people. And so I do think, you know, we have obviously we have a lot of training at UW and, you know, you have to report. I mean, you have to report and you have to over-report um, in this day and age. But, you know, to have things like that go on where people have reported and then there's still no consequences to folks. I, I really, I honestly, I can't get my head around that Sure. because there's so many checks and balances. If people are doing the right thing and the right culture in reporting, there always should be accountability. And you, and you feel University of Washington Athletic Department, there's some strong guidelines on how to address these. Type yeah, of we have guidelines and we're learning too. I mean, you know, a lot of the issues around title nine in particular have changed over the years, depending on the presidential administration you know, in Obama's administration, Joe Biden was really passionate about sexual assault on college campuses. Right. So there was a lot of mandates put down at the institutional level. Because I think what gets lost in this is everybody talks about the athletic department. These issues are not athletic department issues. They're university issues. Very true. And we have, we don't investigate cases of our student athletes. The university's Title IX investigates. We shouldn't be investigating. It would look like we were having some sort of influence over the investigation. So these are institutional issues, institutional priorities, and it's something that we're always going to be vigilant on. I don't think we can even be vigilant enough on. This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with University of Washington Athletic Director Jen Cohn. One subject that's coming up a lot is the subject of whether college athletes should be paid. 
I'm going to ask this qu- a question to you, Jen, in kind of a different way. Mm-hmm. Do you think some sort of global grand compromise could be worked out where maybe there's more stipends and living expenses for student athletes, maybe some long, more long-term health care protections for students in lieu of, of college of being paid as athletes? Yeah, and I think we've already moved in that direction. You know, we added cost of attendance for student athletes. And so at the University of Washington, we are covering full cost of attendance for our student athletes. So that's an additional you know, $3,300 that the student athletes that are on full rides get in all of our sports. Um, they lifted a lot of, NCAA lifted a lot of regulations on food. So we're able to provide, like some of our sports get like three meals a day. And that's a huge savings for our student athletes. I bet. At UW, we cover four years of medical care after you leave with any injury that you had while you were at the University of Washington. We also, at any point in time, if you didn't graduate, we will pay for you to finish your school and when you want to come back and do so. So I, you know, I think that there's still more that can be done for student athletes. I think there's some complexities to this, though, that everybody needs to be thinking about. There's issues around Title IX. Um, I think that um, schools, most important, and this is something we're really passionate about, is that we need to make sure we're getting kids ready for life after college. And if we do that really well, and and our student athletes can forever use the resource of the University of Washington as a benefit to them, then that's priceless. That, and so that's something that we're really passionate about. Seems like about the UW stands out a little more in that whole area of how to take care of student athletes. I think so, but I still think we can get a lot better at it. I do. I mean, we have to keep getting better at it. Um, I got another question for you, Jen. We don't have a whole lot of time left, but would you like to see the one-year transfer rule change? For example, regular students can just transfer. Coaches can move on the following year. Why, why, do, why do student athletes have to wait a year or two to play again? Yeah, I struggle with this topic a lot. I've been, I've been debating it. I like there's been some new legislation that's been put forward about to kind of counter the coaches' situation is that to make sure that anytime there's a coaching change that the student athlete can automatically transfer. I mean, I did that with the recruits that were coming in when I made the Lorenzo change, I wasn't going to hold them to their national letter of sure. intent. And so I, I get the other side of this is that if it's just free reign all the time, the amount of investment that's going in into students and the amount of um, chaos that could potentially cause. But I also think that we have to remember that we, again, are just here to give students an extraordinary experience. And um, so I think that there's probably a hybrid model that I would get behind. Jen, we only have about 30 seconds left. What does the future hold for, Je- for Jennifer Cohen, University of Washington Athletic Department? For the department? Uh, oh, I thought you meant me for a well, second. Well, you as well, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah we, no, well. I think, you know, I, I'm not, I don't crystal ball anything. You know, we kind of, we were talking the other day, the university has a committee that's working on 2050. And in athletics, I mean, you guys saw today, you know, Isaiah just got traded. We had his jersey retirement scheduled for Thursday. Now we have to move it, so... Um, can't really predict things as much, but I want to see all of our teams competing at the highest level. Um, I want to see student athletes graduating at a high percentage. I want kids basically, my dream is for student athletes when they walk out the door that they say, you know, that was the best decision they ever made. I'd send my brother here. I'd send my sister here. And by the way, I want to be in a lifelong relationship with you. Jen, thanks for having, coming on my show. Hope to have you back one day. Thanks. Go dogs.
Time for a Rainer Avenue Radio News Update. I'm Daniel Bellis. The Washington State Senate became the first legislative body in the country to pass a carbon tax bill out of committee when Reuven Carlisle-sponsored Senate Bill 6203 was amended and approved by the Senate Energy, Environment, and Technology Committee. The fact of the matter is that uh, taking a bold stand on climate change and doing what we can as a state to be responsible and thoughtful is what this legislation is all the about. The bill, which would impose a new $10 per metric ton tax on carbon carbon emissions beginning in 2019 and increase $2 per ton every year after 2021 until it reaches $30 per ton in 2030 would similarly rise the price of gas 9 cents in 2019 and raise it until it reaches 30 cents per gallon with rebates included for persons of low income. So far, the biggest dissenting voices come from Senator Doug Erickson. So if you are a person in Washington state who works for a company that manufactures a product, if this bill passes, there is a very good chance you will no longer have a job. The bill is expected to be heard by the Fiscal Ways and Means Committee next, but a coalition of environmental, labor, and other groups are meanwhile pushing for a public initiative for this November. Previously, Initiative 732, which called for much higher sanctions along with sales and B&O tax reductions, failed, with just 41% of a yes vote in 2016. Daniel Bellis, Rainer Avenue Radio News. Turn up your radio wherever uh-huh. you at. We about to bring it. Street Beat. Yeah. With Tony B. Tony B will give you a chance to tackle local, national, and international issues that affect your community. Street Beat. Street Beat. <laughs> Tony B. This is Karen Z with RainierAvenueRadio.world. And we want to hear from you. Our goal is to amplify and share the diverse voices of Southeast Seattle residents. Do you know of an engaged community member who should be featured in a community spotlight? Tell us about them. Do you know of an upcoming family-friendly, educational, or cultural event coming up? Tell us about it. If you have news to share, contact us by emailing rainieravenueradio.world at gmail.com. Once again, please email us at rainieravenueradio.world at gmail.com.